Sideboob Cinema is a retrospective movie show for adults only. Educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment and we're not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Daddios, smoke and sax players and double bassists with aspirations of becoming classy dames. Don't despair if that Adam's apple gets you the cold shoulder. Just keep telling yourself, I'm a girl, I'm a girl, I'm a girl. This is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. Joining me tonight are my fellow jazz cats, AJ and Jonathan Astro. AJ, do you like it hot? <laughs> I do. I like it extremely hot. <laughs> and uh, John, how did that uh, bra fitting go? Uh, yeah, good, good. Um, you know, a couple more football seasons, <laughs> as gross old men used to say to me. Oh, really? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my really? God. <laughs> that that is that is so imaginatively grotesque. grotesque you know, because they what they're doing is they're they're hiding their piggery behind you know lay behind gauze. You know, they're not just saying. <laughs> You are growing boobs soon. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not saying that. So they're dancing around. It. And I had boobs quite early, so that must have—I must have been pretty little. Right, <laughs> which oh is gross. God. Yeah, which it's... is more gross. All right. Well, that's a topic for another time, perhaps. Some like it hot. 1959, directed by Billy Wilder, screenplay by Billy Wilder and I. A. L. Diamond. Uh, this is a bona fide classic. Uh, but we're going to approach it um, from 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 zero today. I want I want everyone to tell me what they really think. Okay, so uh, we don't obviously all seen this movie before. I hadn't really, really. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You know, I'm not, you know, I never judge. You know. Um, <laughs> you should. Well, no, there's a lot out there. <laughs> this movie before. There's a lot out there, and you know, this this one gets. This is I put this in the category of uh, a lot of people, a lot of annoying people like it, and a lot of you know people are sort of up yet to see it, and you're sort of a bit like, mm. oh, shut up, I'm never going to watch it. You know, <laughs> that 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 is a problem. That is a problem when when people keep pestering you, saying it's the best thing mm. ever made, and then you go, fuck it, I'm never watching yeah. it then. Often I do watch those yeah. things ten years later, and then I've had to send a message to the people saying, "Yeah, it was it was really good." <laughs> so. <laughs> so. But but this does rank as the greatest comedy film of all time. When was that decided? That that's an interesting question. Actually, I'm not sure. Um, well, you must be referring to the AFI, the Amer- the American Film Institute, uh, yes. sort of best comedies. Mm. You know, I don't I don't like sectioning it off like that into genres. I mean. What are we saying? That the best films of all time can only be dramas or something? I mean, if this is a good film, if it is all that, then it should stand on its own two feet. It should mm. be, and I think it. I think in many ways it does. But but that's know. always happened. Comedies have always been sectioned off as something not definitely not totally subjective. Yeah, I you get, know, I, yeah, I get all that. Yeah. But um, well, I uh, yeah, no, I had a good time. Um, and because I I'm, it's not. I obviously love Billy Wilder, uh, but he, this is not. This has never been my favorite of his. And, um, you know, and, and there was a great quote from Woody Allen many years ago. What did they just, it was, it was real geeky cinephile stuff, but they just said, what film do you think is a little bit overrated or what films I've read? He said, some like it hot, without skipping a beat. He just said, some like it hot. Oh, wow. And I always, I always, I always liked that, that he was just so straight up straight about up. it. Um, 
And I think once you once you really pay attention, it, you, you sort of see how brilliant it is. But if you if you're sort of skipping through it a bit or not, you know, if you're on your if you're on Facebook, then <laughs> you know, then you're not gonna you're just gonna think it's hijinks, you know. But you're, yeah. you're gonna miss all the dialogue and and the mm. reversals and the sight gags and all that stuff. Well, let's start with the the budget budget of two point three million. And by 1962, it had grossed 14 million in the US, uh, and the film ultimately grossed 25 million in the US as of 2020. Uh, oh no, so sorry, as of 2020, it's grossed over 83.2 million internationally. Wow! So 25 million in the US, 83.2 million internationally. Well, this is just one of those movies that's made. I just think it's made mega bucks. You know, like it's mm. so. It's been re-released a million times. It'll continue to be re-released until that, you know, next I'll be like, we're implanting it into your brain and then I'll download that. I'll buy that too. That makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Sounds weird, but that's one of the biggest grossing films. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is, and this movie is a real outdoor cinema movie, you know? Mm. It's it's such a, a crowd pleaser, which is interesting because... Um, dare I say it's it's you know not to use the, the the language of my opponents, but it is a problematic film. Yeah. Well. No. Yes. No. I guess so. <laughs> was because of the all the the, the, the transgender. <laughs> Twas a <stuff>. test, you pig. <laughs> we both failed badly. <laughs> you did fail. Well, you, your baseline is is gross uh, VFL guys like spectators saying. Nice titties, <laughs> nine-year-old. <laughs> so this is a different sort of thing. That's true. I can't go on, Joe. I'm weak from hunger. I'm running a fever. I got a hole in my shoe. If you gave me a chance, we could be living like kings. You want to talk? It's about the Florida job. The Florida job. Get out of here. What kind of a band is it anyway? You got to be under twenty-five. We could pass for that. You got to be blonde. We could dye our hair. And you got to be girls. We could. No, we could. I understand you're looking for a couple of girl musicians. I'm Sugar Cane. I play the ukulele and I sing too. We have been playing with the wrong band. Boy, would I love to borrow a cup of that sugar. What's in Florida? Millionaires. You must be quite a girl. Want a bet? Ahoy there! Ahoy! I know why you want to stay here. You're after sugar. Champagne. If I were a girl, and I am, I'd watch my step. Nobody's perfect. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll give you the synopsis and then you can tell me what you think. So just like our last side boob cinema entry, this film is set in crime-ridden Chicago, except this time it's Prohibition Era, 1929 thereabouts. We follow Joe, played by Tony Curtis, and Jerry, played by Jack Lemmon, two down-on-their-luck musicians who play in a jazz band at a speakeasy owned by a mobster called Spats Colombo. 
Joe's scheming and gambling means they're in a real jam. Basically, they owe money all around town and are living hand to mouth. Matters are made worse when the speakeasy is raided by the cops uh, who receive a tip-off from a rival called a rival gangster called Toothpick Charlie. Joe and Jerry desperately need a job, but the only thing going is for two female band members, obviously which they can't fulfill uh, that, uh, that job. A small gig comes up at a Valentine's Day dance and they go to pick up some, uh, some wheels that they borrowed at a garage for the evening. There they witness uh, Spats Colombo gun down Toothpick Charlie and his crew uh, and, and they manage to escape uh, and in a desperate move they don a pair of uh, frocks and stockings and head to the train station to join the all-female Sweet Sue and her society, society syncopators. Uh, Joe, Joe and Jerry are now a couple of high-class dames called Josephine and Daphne. Uh, on the train journey to Florida, our heroes meet Sugar Kane, formerly Kowalczyk, the band's vocalist, or so should I should say played by Marilyn Monroe. I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, leave that out. You know, <laughs> it's not often that you get to say that. Uh, the band's vocalist and ukulele player, Joe and Jerry are quite taken with Sugar and each try to subtly win her over. Sugar admits to Josephine that she only joined the band to get away from her uh, sort of penchant for uh, no good saxophone players. Sugar's new plan is to find a Florida millionaire to shack up with. Anyway, in Miami, Joe starts to make the moves on Sugar, and to win her over, he adopts a new persona, a bespectacled and supposed shell oil heir called Junior. Meanwhile, a bona fide, a bona fide millionaire, Osgood Fielding III, has fallen for Daphne and is coming in hot. He is increasingly turned on by Daphne's rejections, which uh, uh, is um, a worry. Joe, uh, as Junior, the millionaire, invites Sugar to his yacht, or rather Osgood's yacht, for champagne and has Daphne keep Osgood busy by taking him dancing up the coast. On the yacht, Joe, Joe confesses to Sugar the, uh, a past trauma that's left him completely impotent and so Sugar commits to curing him and like <laughs> that he's cured, as am I. Joe <laughs> and Jerry reconvene at the hotel the next morning and Joe is exasperated when he discovers that Jerry seems to have gotten a little lost in his role as Daphne. Jerry is all lovey-dovey and announces that Osgood proposed to him and that he said yes and then there's just a few little things to work out. Uh, Joe explains to Jerry that his relationship isn't going to work. <laughs> in another twist of bad luck for Joe and Jerry, the hotel is actually hosting a conference for the Friends of Italian Opera a cover for a national mob setup that includes Spats Colombo. It's also headed by a guy called Little Bonaparte. Joe and Jerry are discovered by Spats and resolve to leave the hotel immediately. Joe, now as Junior, calls Sugar and breaks the news to her that he's leaving immediately to marry someone else for business reasons. Sugar is obviously heartbroken and turns to the drink. Joe and Jerry try to escape and find themselves trapped under the table at the convention of gangsters. Spats is gunned down by a little Bonap by one of Little Bonaparte's uh, thugs. Uh, uh, and Joe and Jerry make another escape, still pursued now by the gangsters. So they return to uh, their, their personas as uh, Josephine and Daphne. And Joe spots uh, Sugar singing Heartbroken on stage while they're uh, leaving. He steps onto the stage and kisses her in front of the audience as Daphne. And, and, and Sweet Sue uh, also sees this. Sugar realizes that Josephine and Junior are in fact the same person. Jerry as Daphne convinces Osgood to allow him, Josephine and Sugar, to escape via his yacht and the foursome board a motorboat. 
Joey confesses everything to Sugar. He tells her that she deserves someone better than him, but it's too late. She's fallen for him. And now Jerry, as Daphne, tries to gently let Osgood down, but he won't hear it and is seemingly content with their relationship. Jerry, with no options left, rips his wig off and says, I'm a man, to which Osgood replies, well, nobody's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Which was the best. I really loved that line. And that and that ending line that's so so iconic uh, was was thrown in with an attempt or a, or a view to replace it with something better, mm. and they just they never came up with anything else, so mm. it stayed in. It's perfect. Well, it's a magnificent line. I, I you mm. know I, I I it just works. But, and the way he says it, yeah. the smile on his face. But the reason <laughs> why it works is because it's it's built up this whole thing where. Obviously, he's he has to confess that he's a man at mm. some point, you know. So you're prepared for some massive outburst from this guy, and it doesn't mm. happen. You know, he's down with it. He's cool with it. He is know? down with it, <laughs> and and you know, roll credits. <laughs> well, well, I mean, this is obviously a big sticking point. Um, I think it's really beautiful. Mm. You know, that's a beautiful message. <laughs> like, like he literally is saying, "I don't, I don't, I don't care. I love you." You know, mm. um, you but know. now, but now Jack Lemon's character is in a bind because he doesn't want to marry a dude, really. Well, I so. don't know. It's it's not clear. He's he's kind of into it at, at one point. Like like he know. does lose himself in the role of 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 Daphne. Mm. He loved dancing and yeah. You know, I don't know. There's a, there's a question mark there. I think. So, um, couple of things. Is it okay to sneak onto a stranger's yacht and have sex with someone and then bounce? Yeah. Like, why not? And then they've got to come back to their yacht and what? There's just a wet patch. There's <laughs> semen know, stains everywhere. Or whatever. Like, like, you know, like, look what Clint, like, you know, um, Monica Lewinsky had that dress for all those years, which proves to me that stuff's getting around. You know, it's not like, it's not a. Not a clean business. Uh, so, I mean, this isn't like an Airbnb either where people come and clean it. Like, um, I don't know. And he comes back straight away. Osgood's going to get back on. That's true. And then this, and there's just going to be ass cheek, sweaty ass cheek, like uh, imprints on stuff, you know? Anyway, that's just a question. Uh, well, if we start at the beginning, I, I really love the early stuff in this film. Uh, the car chase, which is, it's full on, like it's really realistic, and I, I wonder if if anyone got hurt shooting that because it's it's pretty full on. There is a car um, that gets totally like sort of mm. ragdolled out of the way, yeah. and you just go, yeah. whoa! I haven't seen that with a 1920s car. And then the, car. the cop car sort That's of right. does the spin that, and then yeah. stops. Yeah, and then and because these cop mm. cop guys are like just they're not in the car, they're like they're, well there are some in the car, but they're all over the car, like on the side of it and everything, and then hanging just on spins, it, yeah. and then they sort of just they're hanging on it, but then it stops and they just get off like it's nothing, and that was really cool, and and I love the underground club stuff and meeting, you know, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon and seeing them in the band playing and stuff is cool. Well, it's a very elegant beginning, you know, it's mostly mm. silent, uh, no dialogue and. It establishes the the time and place. We we real we uh, we realise that we're, you know, once they lift the the, the suitcase or the rather coffin lid rather, and there's alcohol pouring out, then that's when the title card appears. as prohibition because this film is actually a period piece. Mm. It's shot in 1959, but like, you know, we've got this problem now where, mm, I think there's a lot of people who would watch it and say, this is when it was filmed. You know what I mean? 
Like Greece. I used to think Greece was was when it was filmed <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. Or Happy Days. Like, oh, well, that's, that's the same year. I was mm, just like, yeah. oh yes, yes, that's when that's when it was filmed. And then later on, I was like, wait a minute, this was like that was earlier. I don't get it. I don't get. It. <laughs> same here. Yeah. So, and that was a question I had actually as, as a sidebar. You know, this was 1959, later than I thought it was actually. Um, and would the film have played differently if it was set in 1959? And because I mean, what are we getting out of the the prohibition? We're getting the gangster stuff. We're getting St. Valentine's Day massacre. We're getting yeah, you know, we're getting all that. But I guess there must be a comment being made about that. It must have been a well, it was the 20s, so it was a loose time. But still, it, the the uh, the boundaries of there were no long hairs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they weren't. Whereas, I think maybe you don't have to deal with beatniks and all that stuff, but also women's virginity was heavily sort of policed. Like, you see that with the, the, the female band leader. That and I've written down this quote because I love it. She says to the audience, She says, All my girls are virtuosos and I plan to keep them that way. Wink, wink, you know. So, <laughs> virgin, there was a lot of that. That's right, yeah. So there was a lot of that going around, even up, you know, even up to in through the 40s and 50s as well, you know. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, the 60s was coming along and that sexual liberation was starting to happen, but... Now no one cares if you're busted out. It doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> uh, but, but back then... Busted you, you, you out. Could... <laughs> I just wondered if you'd get that. <laughs> that was for you. Thanks. <laughs> but back then, you, you couldn't hire a hotel room unless you were married, you know. Yes. And now you can't in Bali too. Yeah. I think they repealed that though. I think they, they went too far. But fascinating stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what does that time period add other than those kind of small things? Well, I don't know. I just don't know enough about it. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it just it, – my my basic read on it is that it's a, it, it it's a I want to say less tumult, like socially tumultuous time, you know. It's very. I'm only going on what I've read, so I don't know. You know, like you think of Roaring Twenties, you think of the gang, you think of flappers, you think of booze, you think of you know the fact that they had a, a um a, a uh oh maybe the maybe you need prohibition. That's what you need. You need there to be because it's not just a prohibition on booze. It's a prohibition mm. on on what comes with booze, which is, you know, libidinous behavior. And so it's that is what it is. It's an era of of um everyone trying to keep themselves uh, you know, under wraps, you know, and doing mm. it secretly, doing all this stuff secretly. So you get all of that nice stuff. I just tap it, you know, well you can see it in nineteen sixty, the apartment is what I think of. I think of that being that set in nineteen sixty and I just think that's such an interesting time, um, completely different to this, different problems, you know, mm. like um, mm. still women are treated not great, uh, but, you know, uh, it's it's just a completely different deal. So who was the most convincing tranny, Curtis or Lemon? AJ? Mm. If they came, either of them came in to the, the bathroom or you were in there, yeah, what bullshit? Did that really happen? Oh, this is from the doco when they say, yeah. oh, we went to the commissary and, like, dressed up and, and no one knew. They said it in two docos, yeah, mm. um, because first Lemon said that in the first doco that Curtis said that we should do this and then he said that Wilder said 
that they should go and try. They're just a couple of silly old liars, though. Aren't they? You know, they're sort of yeah. mythic. Yeah. They're, they're loving. They're believing stuff they've read. So, so the story is they got they got doled up before before shooting began to sort of test out their... Makeup tests. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. And then they thought the ultimate test would be to go into a female's bathroom and see if, mm. you know, if they passed. Yeah. And apparently they did, but... I reckon they went in and no one, the chicks, like, were nice to them but didn't believe them at all. Yeah, Maybe. 100%. Yeah. And then these yeah. guys have gone, yeah, so anyway, you know, it was a complete... <laughs> it was just a... These suckers, just they bought the whole, whole thing, hook, line and sink, and you say, no, they didn't. But where, no. where were they too? You know, were they on the universal lot or of something? They, were. Like... they didn't go down. Like, they didn't like go down to some bar, like just no. in the city. <laughs> That's why it's a dumb story because it's sort of they're lazy as well. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or go to some female-only university or something. Try it there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Vassa, bring more. So, who was the most convincing? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. You... It's, got, it's got to be Tony Curtis, right? Uh, well, I guess so. He's just, I guess so. Um, the problem is they're, they're very ugly. So, I mean, <laughs> AJ, come I mean, for fuck's sake. Like those shots that um, you guys sent through with in colour, mm. they could never have been shot in colour. Mm. Well, that's, that's the whole reason why it's shot in black and white is because they look even more ghastly in colour. I mean, Terrible. Jack Lemon's like he's monstrous. Like he's he's smiling. I mean, he's done a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's picked monstrous makeup as well on purpose. But like he is just a really ugly woman. And um... <laughs> and he said he looked like his mother. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Mrs. Lemon. Uh, but yeah, Tony Curtis. I guess he's he's trying a bit more or something. Like he's well, his voice seems dubbed. Like. Like they've got a, done a lot of work on his voice, you know, and um, I, I think they dubbed some of it because he couldn't maintain that falsetto. Sure, uh, uh. For, for, for for the fifty or so takes they needed with Marilyn. And, think, oh, and think about his voice. He's got. He's got it's so deep. He's got yeah. that. Um, I'll play you smoking, this. Smoking, smoking fifty packs. You know, fifty 100%. packs a week. Sort this of is a quote. Voice, so, you know, you know for two reasons I want to play this. One, the quality of his voice, which is just listen to him. And the second is him talking about a scene they cut out of the mo- of the movie and why they cut it out. Okay, between it was between Jack Lemmon and him. Why do you think they cut it? Well, it was one man humping another. It was that same bullshit that they did with Spartacus. It was that same <laughs> bullshit they did with Spartacus. <laughs> a one man humping another. What, what 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 does he mean with Spartacus there? I, I don't get the. I've oh, seen the Spartacus, scene, but... the famous scene in Spartacus when it's like Lawrence Olivier and him. You know, I think because Tony Curtis plays um a slave or whatever, and oh, I don't know. I shouldn't say that word. That's it. Yeah, I'm cancelled. But they're in a scene together alone, and is it Lawrence Olivier asks him, "Do you prefer do you prefer fucking snails or something that's a dick?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. And uh, so he's saying that, and it's a famous scene. It's like, you know, it's very, he just asks him this question of what he prefers. And he's like looking up at him. He's all buff, like Tony Curtis and that. And, and um, yeah, so he's, obviously Tony's not happy with it. And he's just like, same bullshit they didn't spot a <laughs> But the scene they cut out, the, the scene he's talking about, it sounds like a really funny scene, you know. Wilder seemed to think it was too much, like there's yeah. too much on the train. So they needed to cut Well, the there is a lot on the train. And this is a two hour movie. That always put me off in the past that it was two hours. I don't care now. I, I, I watched it several times this week and I was I had a great time every time. So, mm. But that scene goes for 60 seconds. So it's, you know, 
it's a two-hour movie or it's a two-hour and 60 seconds. Well, is it driving the story, though? Like, you know, because it's, yeah. if we've seen those two guys hanging out, I know what they think of each other. It needs to be either mm. of them with sugar pushing right. the story forward, you know, winning something at the end of the scene and driving it forward. If it's just them jerking off, like, so to speak, like, mm. I'm like, well, what is this? I've, we just had, half, like, 25 minutes or however long mm. of them doing that, arguing and hitting each other's head and stuff. So that yep. would be my only mm. addendum to that. Jack, Jack Lemmon's fake bass playing is very funny. So you tell me it. about the music. So what's the deal? Well, uh, I, when you see people playing, is this just absolute bullshit? <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. He, right. He's just just he's just moving his hands, mm-hmm. you know. But then he's he's twirling it around, you know. When <laughs> but that's why it was funny. But yeah, that's that is why it's funny. Yeah, and his facial expressions yeah. while he's doing it is very funny too. But 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 on the music, you know the. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 film's title, Some Like It Hot, that, that's a direct reference to hot jazz, which is a style of music that has its origins in New Orleans in the early 1900s. So I, I, I think that's kind of lost on a lot of people well, who don't know much about jazz. I mean, the, the music in this is, uh, well, I would count myself as one of those people. So... It, Me too. <laughs> the, the, but the music is is a character in the film, and maybe you've got a lot to say about that, or maybe you don't. But uh, the uh, you know, and it's even mentioned as well. So so it's like you know, well, uh, she, um, he goes, the music called jazz, and then then she then uh, <laughs> she goes, yeah, real hot. Yeah. <laughs> she gets all excited, shows yeah. her bottom teeth, hot, yeah. you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and the the dirty tr- old trombone is that a tr- what is the, is this a trombone what is what is what is this where we've got the cup on the end and we're going wah, 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 wah. yeah you can do yeah with, you can do it with the trumpet as well because yeah. that dirty old that that dirty old trombone is um, basically Harvey Weinstein because <laughs> it's the musical equivalent of Harvey Weinstein because it is it is rubbing its hands all over Marilyn's breast and buns. <laughs> It's yeah. just going. She's walking along the. Wah, the wah, 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 wah. Yes, but they, all yeah. it just means is look at look at those buns. Check yeah, them out. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of those buns? And I'm like, they're good. Now to stop that, you know, and then and to and a little um that scene is I mean legendary. She's she's uh, swishing and sashaying down the down the um the, the you know the train uh, platform and just the, there's two steam bursts. They go. Psh, psh. Yeah. <laughs> It's no use. We're not going to get away with it, Joe. My name is Josephine, and this was your idea in the first place. She moves. That's just like jello on springs. Must have some sort of built-in motor or something. I, I tell you, it's a whole different sex. Can can you have a lingering shot of a woman's caboose as she walks <laughs> in, well, in, in a modern film? Look, you know, I don't I'm not gonna you know, out myself. All right, I'm not gonna show you my license plate, my Kramer license plate <laughs> that I've got out, out in the car. But but so I'm on board, obviously. However, um, I mean that—that's so—that's so blatant. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm. What else I'm looking at? Like, like I guess you could you could make an argument that it's Jack Lemmon studying her walking. 
you could mm. sort of hide because he does it's like gel on springs like he does he's having trouble walking he doesn't understand the weight distribution and all that stuff and so but then again it is just a shot of her of her butt just going yeah. bang 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 you know yes and and it would have been on a massive screen. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huge screen. You get a better shot of it since you brought it up, Ricky. When Sugar is crawling out of the mm. the upper seven, and you see, you see, it's too late. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. Words of Patrick Stewart. All right. Anyway, that was the music. So the music is what I was talking about. <laughs> well other scenes come on what do you got i i quite like curtis's funny fake english accent which he models on uh carrie grant i believe judy 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 yeah and you know when i was watching it i was like oh this this rivals dick van dyke's accent in mary poppins you know although dick van dyke's Accent wasn't supposed to be funny in that. Yeah, in that well, his accent is mm. just terrible. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. this accent is brilliant. It's actually called. <laughs> now, don't quote me, oh, but yeah, I, be- it's, I believe it's, it's like, called the Mid Atlantic. Yes, accent, oh. and it is not a real accent. So mm. it is. It is not from a from a place. It is a constructed accent that you would have. And I, I don't know. I can only name people who speak like that. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn is one who speaks mm. like that. It's like a Hollywood-made thing. It is, yeah. yeah. Mm. Or maybe it was on the stage as well, I don't know. But, like, it's sort of a... Um, you hear it in old Hollywood movies. Ray Milland sort of does it. There's these people who do it. And um, you... Uh, and actually, Jennifer Jason Lee does a great one in The Hudsucker Proxy, which is a, a Coen Brothers film from the 90s. Mm. Really great film in it. And it, 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 it's set in the 40s. Big budget movie as well, huge budget. And she plays a Catherine Hepburn figure and she's the way she, she – it's just exactly that accent. And it's – I love it. I love it. I, would, I wish I could speak it, you know. Um, uh, in YouTube there are people who, who teach it. But uh, it's – um, yeah, it's really bizarre that it's just constructed because Cary Grant, like what the fuck is his accent? His name is like Archie Roach or something. He's not even <laughs> Cary Grant. Like – He's created this this weird way of speaking. And what the hell does he normally sound like? You know, like yeah. does he just sound like mm. an English guy? You know, because he's, he's not English though. He's born in America. He's like an American guy. Oh, right? I thought he was English. Cary Grant. Oh, gotta look this up. Ooh, Cary Grant was an English American actor. Yeah. Born oh. Caulfield, Bristol, United Kingdom. When did he move? What? what you, you're, <laughs> so you're already wrong, and you are now quibbling. <laughs> Double right? down. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, when did you it's like, well, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. You're not hurt, are you? I don't think so. I wish you'd make sure. Why? Because usually when people find out who I am, they get themselves a wheelchair, a shyster lawyer, and sue me for three quarters of a million dollars. Don't worry, I won't sue you no matter who you are. Thank you. Who are you? No, really. Haven't I seen you somewhere before? Not very likely. You're staying at the hotel? Not at all. Your face is familiar. Possible you've seen it in the newspapers or magazines, um, Vanity Fair. That must be it. Would you mind moving just a little, please? You're blocking my view. Your view of what? They run up a red and white flag on the yacht when it's time for cocktails. You own a yacht? Which one is it? The big one? Certainly not. With all the unrest in the world, I don't think anybody should have a yacht that sleeps more than 12. I quite agree. 
Tell me, who runs up that flag? Your wife? No, my flag's to it. Who mixes the cocktails? Your wife? No, my cocktails do it. Look, if you're interested in whether I am married or not... Oh, I'm not interested at all. Well, I'm not. That's very interesting. <sighs> anyway, Tony Curtis' accent's brilliant, and, um, yeah, I think it's a great piece of um, uh, uh, mockery, you know, soft mockery. What's, what's up with that uh, massive henchman? Did you see his hairy hands? <laughs> <laughs> what? The guy who says, join us, that guy. Yeah, the guy that says, buttermilk. Yes, that guy. <laughs> well, all of they're having a lot of fun with the gangsters in this. Mm. Like, but but that guy, I reckon, is a real gangster. Yeah, he, he looks like one. Well, they're they're, <laughs> they're they're all beautifully cast. I bet you that, you know, actually, it's funny with <laughs> he he's it's so if you're Italian American, if you're Italian, like, do you just have to put up with with characters being called mozzarella and stuff? Like, <laughs> you know, like I mean, it's pretty offensive to Italian people, and they just have to take it. <laughs> They just have to take it. Everyone says, yeah, but come on, you know. And they go, what do you mean? And they say, well, just, you know, I mean, you're white, so. (laughs) I think they need to bring back nicknames, though, like Toothpick Charlie. Toothpick Charlie. I'd like to be known as Toothpick. Spats. (laughs) You know, Little Bonaparte. Yeah. (laughs) And they've all got gimmicks, you know. That was the great thing. They're all like, they're they're all doing coins and toothpicks and whatever. They've all got got something. But, yeah, yeah, great casting. All right, Spats. Services are over. Let's go. Go where? A little country club. We run for retired bootleggers. I'm putting your name up for membership. I don't join nothing. Oh, you like it then. I'll get the prison tailor to fit you with a pair of special spats. Striped. Big joke. What's the rap this time? Embalming people with coffee. 86 proof. Me? I'm just a customer here. Oh, come on, spats. We know you own the joint. Mozzarella's just fronting for you. Mozzarella? Never heard of him. We got different information. From who? Toothpick Charlie, maybe? Toothpick Charlie? Never heard of him. Buttermilk. Too smart to drink your own stuff, huh? Come on, on your feet. Well, that guy, he looks like he looks like he might have been a boxer in a former former career because you know mm. boxers kind of get that swollen sort of look mm. it's probably got out there cauliflower nose. ears yeah all that sort yeah. of stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say uh so what do we think of marilyn in this i was gonna say marilyn i wrote down marilyn is she good she's yeah. she's no good once you know the backstory oh <laughs> yes. do you mean like what she's going what like what she's once putting you know everyone that she through. took 84 takes to say <laughs> where's the bourbon yeah but the modern narrative is is that she, you know because she's taken on look she's a legendary figure obviously and um but she's taken on a very saintly um oh. sort of image and almost to the point where she could do no wrong like I reckon if you said oh what she was sound like she was pretty unprofessional if you said that or oh maybe she could you know like not do some of the stuff mm. she did on it even to, I know she was. Uh, pregnant, anxious about that, and she was, you know, m- newly married to um, Arthur know, Miller. Arthur Miller, and uh, and was, mm. you know, studying, trying to get into serious acting, you know, and 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 had one, and Strasberg's fucking wife or whatever was there, like you know, telling what to. But even so, like, and I reckon if you if you laid down some of these criticisms that you know, did we need to eighty three? Did did they did she need to put the production, you know, twelve. 15 days behind or however long it was maybe it was mm. weeks who knows and all the money that came with that 
I reckon people would just be like, how dare... They'd be Greta Thunberg. They'd say, how dare you? But but she's fucking up not very hard stuff. That's that's the thing that's that's weird, you know. Her line is, it's me, sugar. And that took 47 mm. takes, you know. Because she kept getting the word... The, the, the order of the words wrong. Like, she'd say, sugar, it's me. Or, it's sugar me. Who says it's sugar me? Yeah, but know? they'd say now, they'd just say... Um, and actually, Louise Perry's book, the beginning of her book is all about... Um, Oh God! I hope I'm being correct here. I think it's about Marilyn, um, and uh, how uh, she was used up by Hugh Hefner and never made a dime from her Playboy shoot, and you know. So that's the that is the modern narrative. I think the film, which I haven't watched, Blonde, um, is oh, yeah. you know probably contributes to this 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 thing as well. Like, so you could never. That's why these documentaries are old. You could never ever say. Yeah, she fucked up heaps of times. <laughs> you could never say that. People would just say, um, you know, in other words, the patriarchy made her fuck them up. And you'd say, well, no, she, like, you know, there's there's different issues here. Like, she was pill pregnant, pregnant and pill addled. Yes, I don't that's know if right, they, yeah. I don't know if they go together. Mm. Uh, mm. You, you know, yeah. so I know that's a bit harsh. Yeah. Uh, the the dialogue being written down for you, you need to get that. You need to get it happen. I love <laughs> those like, stories. Apparently yeah. Brando did that as well, like on Godfather. <laughs> Apparently he had the shit written down, but it's, you know. Oh, yeah, well, I did a scene with her in, in uh, on the yacht where uh, she points up above on the archway and she says, uh, what is that? What is it? And I got up and I said, it's a member of the Herring family. A Herring? Isn't it amazing how they get those big fish into those little glass jars? Well, it took us a week and a half to get that one. What is it? It's a member of the Herring family. She'd start out and say, what is that? Oh, it's a member of the Herring family. Well, what, what, what does it do? Well, it's a member of the Herring family. You know, there was always, what is that? Am I supposed to say that? Or you, at one point, the line was, what is that? What is it? It's a member of the Herring family. She, she got so flustered, she finally said, Tony, with her lips, I said, yes, Marilyn, what's the line? I said, what is it? She says, what is it? I said, that's it. What is it? What is it? It's a member of the Herring family. So we had these little frightening experiences. But but a lot of this a lot of this was shot sort of in in what what do they call it? A master take or a wide Yeah, master. So so basically just a or a self contained shot. It might change uh, perspective a little bit, like going in on the dolly and out and whatever, but essentially one shot, and that's why it was very easy to edit. They just put a bunch of big takes together, and that's yeah. that's the film. Right, but but, but the okay. problem is if you if you if it's, if the scene is a couple of minutes long and you're going along and you, and you fuck up just when you almost finished it, you, you know the the rest of the material is lost, so you have to do the whole scene again. You know? Yeah, it sounds it sounds maddening, and and but Billy Wilder's yeah. got a relatively good attitude about it. He has said. He's mm. like, yeah, it was annoying and whatever, but um, she's Marilyn Monroe, fuck's sake. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's like, he's like and he, I guess he was right. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care if you had a good time on set. I don't mm. care. And I don't care how yeah, fun it right. was. And I don't care. If, when people say it was really fun, I say, you know, I want to be Tommy Lee Jones in the future. I want to say, I don't care. You know, yeah. like, just like, mm. like. You didn't work hard enough if it was. Well, it's, you know, who cares? Was it good? Like, was the film yeah, good? Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. that's all that matters. Was it good? And yeah. this is good. Yeah. And and whatever mm. he did, 
if he cobbled her, her performance together, he made her for the ages, really. I mean, and, and I looked at her performance this time and, you know, I always try and see, what, like, look at what I'm looking at here, you know, and um, and always ask my questions, could she have done more in, 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 in a, you know, could she have made a serious turn or whatever? Well, I guess we'll never know. But mm. she's certainly awesome in this movie um, as, mm. a, as, a, as a hot ditz. And um, she, she's, yeah, I don't know. She's she's like got she's got a warmth about her, you know. And um, uh, maybe she's, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's tricky. You know, it, it's she certainly um, leaps off the screen. In you know, you remember so many. I mean, didn't they create Betty Boop because of this, like or whatever? Or? Oh wow! Oh, did they? Oh, maybe not. Because I think Betty Boop goes before this. Take take all that back. No, delete that. No, no. Because no, I think because Betty Boop does doesn't she do boop boop be doop? Kind of yeah yeah. No, this this is way early. She's way earlier. Nineteen thirty. I'm embarrassed. Mm. So but just on the Billy Wilder thing, like he may have mellowed his uh, his view on the whole situation later in life. But when he spoke. Uh, in 1959 about making another film with Monroe. Here's a direct quote. He said, I've discussed this with my doctor and my psychiatrist and they tell me <laughs> I'm too old and too rich to go through this again. And he also said that I think there are more books on Marilyn Monroe than there are on World War II and there's a great similarity, which he said years <laughs> later. <laughs> so... I don't know. He probably, you know, he was probably extremely frustrated, but at the same time, he got oh, he got he got what he needed annoying. out of it. You know? It sounds fucking right. annoying, and to never be um, able to really go hard because everyone's too busy saying. Monroe was not because of her tomfoolery on set or just her fucking up. She was not invited to the cast after party. Oh, that's brutal. Aww. That is pretty brutal. Yeah, you got to invite him. Yeah, she was invited. Dick move. Oh. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, what do you guys think? Is she she is this woman legendary or what? Or is she just is she just is it is she overrated? No, I don't think she's overrated. I don't know. I think she's a little bit overrated in the movie. I, I don't know, and may, maybe my my viewpoint is is tainted, obviously, because I've seen so much cinema that's come after her. Maybe maybe I can't mm. see it for what it was back then. She's you know she's obviously got something about her that is. Uh, engaging and electric and she's you know obviously a very good looking woman but isn't her view isn't what she's doing her sort of hyper femininity that you could argue is created by men or f- either for men or by men whatever mm. isn't that wholly offensive do you know what i mean like isn't it like shouldn't not she if be, a man's doing it i know that's fucking beautiful so i'm saying if, <laughs> if a man's doing it, it's fucking beautiful but if she's doing it isn't it like shouldn't she be in a pantsuit and she's, she, they would say they would say she's a a foot soldier for the patri- patriarchy. Is what they right. say. Okay. I don't know if they would. People love her. They do love her. And Kim but Kardashian's I, wearing I think, her dress. I think she now. fits in that category of of. I feel like she's one of these 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 shapeshifters that you might be like this film because Ricky, you sent through some articles where where it seemed like this film's a shapeshifter. So mm. you know if mm. you if you're one of these wokesters or. Allies, you can whenever you want. You can just give something a pass. You can just go. Oh, I think I've always said that you should be true to your principles and say. And if you are, if you think that, you know, uh, that this version of femininity is is disgusting and patriarchal, well, then you need to be doing that twenty four seven. You'd be living that life. You need to be saying to everyone, get that fucking lipstick off. 
stop doing that that's not a thing like just you know it's not real and then but i feel like every now and then they'll say oh it's a celebration it's a celebration of this and you go really and you go but you hated the other thing you hated you hated that how why is this great why is that thing shitty and this thing's great you know yeah yeah well i sent through two articles one that's titled a trans perspective on some like it hot by someone called Natasha Troop, who apparently teaches a couple of film units, as she says in her, I think it's a blog article, um, doesn't look like it comes from a very uh, respectable publication or anything. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like, and I sent, I sent <laughs> another, <laughs> I sent another. Knives out. <laughs> I sent another article as well, and it just seems like they, they, this. They're seeing what they want to see in it. You know, they're desperately... The feeling I got from this article, and I was going to read the whole thing out, but I don't think I will. Uh, the feeling I got from the article is they desperately want this to be some sort of pioneering, like, trans rights trans rights film that, that uh, is, is, is ahead of its time, you know, like some celebration of, of being trans, where I, I don't think it is really. Like, what, what people think of trans now, I don't think people back then, the, the, the vast majority of people back then when this film was made, would, would, would think of, you know, to them, transgenderism was cross-dressing, was, 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 you know, drag queen sort of stuff. You know? yeah. But it's well, a lark. It's a yes. bit of a lark. Well, yeah. I, you know, I've read, I, I don't know if 1959 is... If if this is and maybe it's where you were and stuff, but I've heard that not too long ago, really, um, to be gay, you know, in in a not not in the arts or something was inconceivable. Mm. You know, I think maybe I even heard my mum's generation, the boomers, something like sort of, you know, very early on, she said that it was inconceivable. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, to them as a, as a cultural thing. You know, it could be a range of things going on there. But uh, so then the idea of, you know, queering up the space and tr- transing kids and reading them stories and uh, I don't know, whatever yeah. else. Is Give going me a on. break. Whereas I think, I think this film, it, it got such huge, a huge response and such huge laughter in, in the cinemas. They, 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 you know, they recount, you know, just people rolling around in their in their <laughs> chairs people had to leave the cinema they were laughing so hard like i just think that it, it it is because of that you know they just cannot conceive of of a man dressing as a woman or as a man trying to pass as a woman you know but but, just, but can we go to another level and say it it is a document of a time as well so it is you know things do change and because some of the stuff that is cultural but there will. I don't think uh, for another thousand years there's going to be a point where those guys, their calves, their muscular calves with stockings and high heels, is going to be seen as, you know, I don't know, um, statistically normal, attractive, in the traditional sense of of ninety nine percent of people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's all. That's going to be funny and and odd for a long time. Mm. Doesn't mean. That the trans person at your work shouldn't be treated with respect and whatever. Absolutely, you shouldn't laugh at their big, big calves. But the, you know, this or is weird. <laughs> whatever, whatever's going on. But, but this movie is fun because it's, you know, I guess we're in a mess now because because of fluidity. Uh, fluidity destroys everything. You know what I mean? Like, and and but it even destroys good fluidity. So fluidity destroys Prince, destroys Bowie. You know, because like. 
again, I feel like if Bowie's still around, he wouldn't be into this shit. He'd be like, no, no it was only good because it was, you know, it was a weird. finger to the eye. You know, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was good because it was weird. Whereas you're oh. trying to make it, you're trying to force me. He goes, he goes, you know, I took that shit off when I went home, right? Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I took that shit off and then I nailed two chicks at a time. <laughs> and, and you go and Mick Jagger watched so it's it's like it's one of those things like I, I don't know like this this movie's playing with with what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman at that time and femininity and masculinity and and it's and it's quite deft and it and it's not heavy and um mm. and it rings true and the more you think about it the way we do now in these you know this sort of vice debate video sort of way uh it sucks. It just sucks now the way they talk about it. It's not fun. Whereas the, the, these guys are fun. Like even the um. Oh no, I won't ruin that. That's coming up. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> In fact, I think it might be time, AJ. Oh. Creepers, creepers, where'd you get those creepers? Creepers, creepers, where'd you get those eyes? y'all get up. That's a good leading. Uh, almost ruined it. Okay, it's time to keep a creeper. Don't worry, too. We're going to go deep. On this one, oh. you know, I just got like, you know, one and a half to offer you tonight. Uh, I got some questions about some of the other people, but really they can they can come after. So uh, <laughs> to begin with, I have Tony Curtis as Joe Josephine, also Shell Oil Jr., saxophone player, talented musician, Ricky, would you say? Yeah. Okay, good. There you go. He's an expert, so you've, you've heard it here. And I only mention it because we've had some keepers who are musically inclined, so oh. I'm just here to lay down the groundwork there. He can could, he could definitely blow. He's he got can, the chops. He can blow. All right, he can blow hard. Uh, he's not obsessed with money, which is good because he rarely has it, um, mm. but he might get a few bucks off you here and there, borrow your car, you know, like <laughs> a bit. Not anyway. Uh, but... Don't get stuck on that. He is goal-oriented and resourceful. And in mm. order to win your heart, he'll go to extreme lengths. He might even dress up as different characters, that, you know, the way like the way Robert Durst did. Oh. Uh, you know how, remember <laughs> that was that period of Robert Durst's life where he just spent like a couple of years or whatever as a woman? Love it. So yes. it can be done. Um, I think it worked out it's well true. for him as well. Like so... <laughs> Uh, so anyhow, so with Joe, Joe, you know, he might steal someone's clothes as well to adopt one of these mm. personalities. That's about being resourceful and you got to do what you got to do. You know, he didn't, he's, he's a bit skint as well. Um, one last thing, he says he's got erectile dysfunction. Um, so, but I think that also might be a clever smoke screen. Mm. Um, so it's all about if you appreciate that, um, <laughs> that type of, you know, hustle. Yeah, um, he's always on the hustle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yep, that's him. Little bonus, just in case that you know he's to if he's totally out. This is a little bonus for you. Al Brenneman as the bellboy. Now, he's ga oh. <laughs> gainfully employed. Okay, at a seaside hotel. All right, gainfully employed. I like this. This is left field. I appreciate this. Youthful exuberance. <laughs> He has a bit of pluck, I would say. He's forthright and he knows what he wants. He likes some big and sassy. <laughs> and in his words, he says, don't worry about leaving the door open. He's got a pass key. <laughs> so he's coming in one way or another is what he's saying. Oh, are these your bags? Mm-hmm. And that one too. 
Okay, doll. I suppose you want a tip. Ah, forget it, doll. After all, you work here and I work here. And believe you me, it's nice to have you with the organization. Bye-bye. Oh, listen, doll. Uh, what time do you get off tonight? Why? Well, I'm working the night shift and I got a bottle of gin stashed away. And uh, when there's a lull... Don't you think you're a little young for that, Sonny? Oh, you want to see my uh, driver's license? Get lost, will you? That's the way I like them. Big and sassy. So talk to me, AJ. What do we got? We've got uh, <laughs> Joe or the bellboy. <laughs> I'm so glad you included the bellboy. It's all mine. Like there are so many different characters and you went with the bellboy who could fit in my pocket. He That's really, how little he, he was. Really stuck out to me, you know. <laughs> Oh, like and he's, he is, he's like a randy little corgi. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's a Jack Russell, yeah. Yes, yeah. You just hump your leg. It's <laughs> <laughs> just totally, uh, I don't know, like, um, he can't be dissuaded. No. You know? <laughs> yes, very persistent. Mm. He, he'll go all night, though. That's true. He would be a Jack Rabbit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Tony Curtis, definitely in my twenties, would be right up there. Mm. I like the hustle. I like the hustle. But in my thirties, I know better. <laughs> <laughs> so you. So you, I'm saying Creeper. Creep. So you you know that that it all adds up to Creeper. That's right. <laughs> I okay. know it adds up to hard work. Yeah. Too much hard work. Yep. Um, the Jack Rabbit, though, how could you get rid of him? You couldn't get rid of the bellboy. <laughs> you might have to throw him one anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> that's probably his tactic. It's true. There are those guys who just do, who get a lot of um, they action that down. way. They don't have any yeah. long-term stuff, really, but then they, <laughs> they don't care. They're just they're moving on. You're moving on. He's moving on. Yeah. He's moving on to the next guest <laughs> yes. who he has a key for. He says, bring yeah. a roommate, I think, at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, another creeper. <laughs> creeper sweet. <laughs> he set me up. I thought he was going to get over the line. Uh, what about the height? Was the height a factor? Oh, the height was I terrible. didn't even mention that. <laughs> He's, He's about short. four He's foot short. three. Yeah. Like so now I've got I just want to know for my own um interest um you know what do you, what do you think of uh, J- uh Jerry so Daphne I love Jack Lemon I've got a real soft spot for Jack Lemon. But okay, now but think about it. He's he's going he's doing pinchy winchy under the water. <laughs> he's trying he's saying shit like he says to Sugar at one point it might be a surprise party. <laughs> Are you thinking this through? <laughs> a surprise party when she reaches down and feels his crank. You know? Well that's that's just it. like dating in the Tinder era, isn't it? Like <laughs> You know, you might you true. might go out and date a woman and just you know. Well, the hinge out. era, I think. You know, it's all about hinge. Isn't it? The um, but is it a dog act that that um Tony steals Marilyn? Mm, like they don't right. talk about that really. Mm. No, there's no bro code talk in this. That is weird. No. Um, and he's just got to 
there should have been a discussion about you know like like if he loses fair and square like if she's 100% not interested in yeah. him that's okay or but he really did start moving in before he got the the okay definitely and they mm. were both going pretty hard at the start mm. like jerry was also daphne was also yeah gone pretty hard yeah it's never it mentioned it wasn't like it was just oh we're friends mm. yeah mm. well the more i think about it um uh, joe is just a, a terrible person. Mm, like yeah. he's, he's no he's no good, you know? That's what I mean. 20s AJ would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but even in the start of the film, like he's a piece of shit because Jack Lemon needs to use his paycheck to go get a filling in his tooth and he's like, nah, fuck that. You know, I've got this dog. We're going to put the money on this dog and we're going to triple it. And, you know, he's just constantly pressuring him to like hock his jacket or hock his base to get money to put on the dogs, you know? <laughs> Say, Joe, tonight's the night, isn't it? I'll say. What? No, tonight's the night we get paid. That's good. Why? Oh, I've got fiddling among my back teeth. i got to see a dentist tomorrow. Dennis, we've been out of work for four months. You want to blow your first week's pay on your teeth? Well, it's, it's just a filling. I have a big goal. Yeah, have a goal. How can you be so selfish? We owe back rent. We're in for $89 to Moe's Delicatessen. Three Chinese lawyers are suing us because I check bounce at the laundry. We borrowed money from every girl in the line. You're right. Well, of course I'm First thing tomorrow, we'll pay everybody a little something on account, huh? Oh, no, we don't. We don't? No, first thing tomorrow, we go out to the dog track and put the whole bundle on greased lightning. Greased lightning? You're going to bet my money on a dog? He's a shoe, and I got it from Max the waiter. His brother-in-law is the electrician. The wise, the rabbit. What are you giving me with a rabbit? Look at the odds. He's 10 to 1 tomorrow. We'll pay everybody. Suppose he loses. What are you worried about? This job is going to last a long time. Suppose it doesn't. I, I suppose I did get, did finally, I wasn't paying attention when I saw it a long time ago. There is that, the, the most important scene for him is when he sees Sugar heartbroken on stage. And mm. I never paid attention to that scene. I was always just like, no, I don't know, just switching off. When really, it's, a, it's beautiful, beautifully played and he realises that he's a heel. And that's why he says to her, yeah, you are better than me and I'm no good. And so... Yeah, I gotta give it up. Gotta give it up. Baby, I'm through with love. Um, uh, just one more, just a little for me. <laughs> Osgood, what do you think of Osgood laughing? Him going, <gasps> like, 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 you know, that, Osgood <gasps> should be in Carry On movies. <laughs> That's, That's true. I love that guy. Yeah, me too. And that, but it reminds me of Carry On. Like he'd say something creepy, and then he'd go, <gasps> <laughs> but he also had another catchphrase. He said, "Zowie." Because <laughs> his previous wife was a contortionist. Oh, that's right. Zowie. <laughs> Actually, this movie plays a lot with a lot of dirty jokes or a lot of dirty, I don't know what to say, like dirty, dirty tropes or something. Like, mm. like, like, or dirty, just like they're, they're in and around the edges, you know? We've got, yeah, things in garter belts. We've got, yeah, all the verbal stuff. It's like, oh, my wife was, ex wife was a contortionist, you know? And, mm. um, uh, 
or the one of like that sugar says when she says oh me and my sister used to you know pretend we were cuddle up and pretend we were in a cave and fight mm. out uh, you know try and fight our way out like that's a that's um that's twin cest like that's mm. that's you know it's all so i love this movie is like one big dirty joke yeah yeah mm. Or Jack, or Jack Lemon's talking about his bass playing, saying most of the time I just slap it. I must yeah. Have, yes, yeah, most of the time I just slap it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. It is, there's a lot of that going. It's all the way through. But this, but mm. the, you know, what? Where do we get that this playful thing? Because it's so we live in a very coarse era. And actually, the problem with Billy Wilder's films, just like the Carry On films, is the culture became a lot more coarse. You know, mm. almost immediately after the apartment in 1960. So. His film suddenly started to to well, he, him and other people had to wrestle with this. Like he enjoyed the 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 clever, uh, you know, entendre, the or the the hidden, mm. those, those hidden, uh, you know, um, dirty jokes and whatnot, and, and the the double meanings and all that stuff. And then, you know, it it just became once you could get titties out and just you know have like in Deliverance, have a man get like um, cornholed. <laughs> Everyone squeal like a pig. Like, like it's just like what you know. Suddenly, because now they think comedy is just about period blood, and you know, like mm. that's what it is. It's just like blowjob jokes and choking and all this stuff. And you just go, oh, for God's sake! Like, it's not, it's not charming like this. Like, this is, this is, this movie is a hundred percent dirty, but it's all in your mind, pretty much. Mm. You're dirty, you know, because yeah. because it's all just. It's like a big bulbous booby butt, you know, joke, <laughs> you know, and, and and everyone loves it. They're like, oh, it's so mm. great, and you go, really? If you because if you look into any of these things, they're they're bang, you're bang out of order. Anyway, here we go. Well, is it time for trivia? Go. On. Oh. So Wilder's first idea for the role of Jerry was Frank Sinatra. But uh, Frank never turned up to the audition. Well, I think it was a lunch meeting or something. Oh, Frank. Mm. That's the most Frank thing ever, by the way. But I don't think I don't think he would be good in this, though. No, really. And he would have been in trouble on set too. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, mm. Jerry Lewis and Danny Kay were also considered for the role of Jerry. Jerry Lewis would have worked, maybe. Would have been great. Uh, yeah. yeah, just a different thing. Yeah, mm. but I, you know, I think Jack Lemmon's very good. Um, mm. The film's closing line, Well, Nobody's Perfect, is ranked 78th on the Hollywood Reporter's list of Hollywood's 100 favourite movie lines. Mm. Uh, but as I said earlier, it was never supposed to be in the final cut. So it's, it was in the script as what they call a placeholder until they could come up with something better. Upon its release, Kansas banned the film from being shown in the state, explaining that cross-dressing was too disturbing for its citizens. See, they, they couldn't <laughs> conceive of it. <laughs> yeah, they, they couldn't, exactly. So Tony, Tony Curtis has said that he asked Billy Wilder if he could imitate uh, Cary Grant for his stint as the millionaire in the movie. Uh, Wilder liked it and they shot it that way. Apparently Grant saw the parody of himself and stated jokingly, I don't talk like that. <laughs> but he kind of does. He does, um, absolutely does. So a preview audience laughed so hard after Daphne's announcement of the engagement to Osgood that a lot of the dialogue was missed, so it was reshot with the pauses, and we get the pauses through the maracas. So ah. he dances with these maracas 
in between each kind of line uh, and he's like on cloud nine because he's been proposed to and he's going to get married and those maracas kind of help to stretch out the bits of dialogue because people were laughing so hard. Have I got things to tell you? What happened? I'm engaged. Congratulations. Who's the lucky girl? I am. What? Osgood proposed to me. We're planning a June wedding. Uh, supposedly when uh, Ori Kelly was measuring all three stars for dresses, he half-jokingly told Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis has a nicer butt than you, at which point Munro pulled open her blouse and said, yeah, but he doesn't have tits like these. <laughs> Ori would have appreciated that as an Australian. Oh. So Ori Kelly oh. Oh, was Australian. Famous costume designer. Ah, another person who was uh, who auditioned for the role that Jack Lemmon ended up getting was Anthony Perkins of Psycho fame. Mm. He would have been great. You think so? Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's good. He's good. He's he's um he's got yeah. back then he would he's great too. He's good in that Ken Russell film. What's that called? <laughs> Crimes of Passion. Crime, yeah, yeah. And now yeah, you good. are going back into the archives. Yeah. <laughs> I like like uh, yeah. So my last piece of trivia here is Billy Wilder was not happy with Tony Curtis's falsetto voice. And he had it redubbed in a recording studio. Um, maybe just one more that the film is based on um, another film. White chicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's called White Chicks uh, by the Wayans Brothers. <laughs> I got my order right, right? <laughs> yeah. So it is based on a screenplay uh, from the 90, 1935 French film Fanfare of Love. Uh, so yeah, they just took the the main conceit of the the two guys having to go undercover as as chicks. So mm. there you go. I think that it's really interesting that the first screening, people walked out of and didn't, nobody laughed. There was one person that laughed in the audience, whereas the second screening was yeah was a huge success. Those people to need the younger to, audience. Those mm. people need to check themselves. Like that's ridiculous. This movie is mm. funny. That is weird. Yeah. Where do, where do they show it? You know, like know. who were mm. they? What what city was it? You know, people were walking out, mm. and yeah. Well, they would have been. I hope they were embarrassed when big billboards came out a little bit later, and they're like, "What is this? I thought my my, you know, bad attitude was going to cancel this movie." <laughs> they were the original cancelers. Yes. Yeah, fuck <laughs> those people. <laughs> all right, all right. Here it is. The Me Too meter. Uh, if I was you, I'd wanna be me. So, heavens to Bechtel, it's that Bechtel test. You know you have to do this every time you watch a movie in an informal way to evaluate bias against women in films and other media. It only passes the Bechtel test if it has two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man. There is not one conversation solely between women in this movie. There are scenes where the female character thinks she's talking to a woman Fail. This is a hundred percent fail of the Bechtel test. Oh. There you go. Unless you guys can uh, correct me there. Is... Well, in twenty twenty three, you could argue that uh, she was talking to a woman who was always a woman, and yes. that's beautiful. No, no. And then what From you have Kim. to say is usually what you say after that is trans people have always been part of our culture. And you say you say they've always been throughout history. They've always been mm. always been here. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Whenever people say that, I never know what that means. It sounds, you know, I'm not doubting what they're saying. I'm just saying it sounds very creepy and it sounds like it's designed, as, as Norman Finkelstein would say, a, it's a conversation stopper, you know, not, not a starter. Uh, so anyway, uh, the charges, th- this was difficult because frankly, this is an open and shut case. Okay. Where, where to start, where to start. I suppose we need to address the supreme arrogance of the cis white male who wrote and directed this ode to hate speech. Billy Wilder is just another man daring to step out of his lane and using the queer experience as he sees fit by taking this creative role. He's also robbed some queer of, of work. Uh, and appropriated stories and experiences that are not his to take. This bigoted and disgusting man uh, um, can just fuck <laughs> off, AJ. <laughs> just fuck off, all right? And I don't care that his mother, grandmother and stepfather were all victims of the Holocaust. Whoopi Goldberg and some other folks on the modern left have said essentially the Jews don't count. So there. Who cares if you emigrated to America and couldn't speak the language but wrote the greatest scripts of all time in that language? Not I. <laughs> All right, not I. Anyway, on to the substance. We have two cis white males in Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis who have the audacity to play trans women, one word, trans women, in this story. Uh, So what we get is a kind of a minstrel show uh, that uses the trans experience as a big fat (laughs) joke for cishead audiences. And I've said it before, the only people who should be playing trans characters are trans people. The rules are simple, you dummies. Straights play straights. Same goes for cripples and mental defectives. If you need a bank robber, <laughs> hire a bank robber. Same goes for rapers, rapers or whatever. You, you need to be the thing to play the thing. So get the thing, okay? What, the, what, what don't people get? Simple. It's a trans face. Anyway, um, as I said, look, being trans is a lot more than just putting on a dress and saying something you're not, okay? It's, it's about... Um, it's about uh, Look, just stay in your lane. It's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's about being something you always were. It's about being something you always were that you're not really, but you are telling people you are. Okay? <laughs> got it. Now, got it. Now, anyway, uh, I also level a charge of bigotry at Sweet Sue and her society syncopators. Uh, why should it matter if they're two biological uh, men in their, in their, their uh, all-female band? Uh, I see no reason why uh, these uh, females uh, should, shouldn't have to wake up to see Josephine and Daphne stiff with morning wood heading off for a slash. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the future, ladies. <laughs> and while we're on this band, there is a most alarming set of sequences where we see girls dressing for bed, prancing around in their under things, and then eventually having a raucous drunken party in Upper Seven, why are we subjected to the, these exploitative angles of sugar canes, ample cleavage, shaking like forbidden jelly at a banquet for Beelzebub himself? Or <laughs> these teasing shots of women jutting their behinds out as they climb in and out of bed so we can see the delicious curves of their derrieres and contemplate what it would be like to see it up close, real close like, or even touch it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, well, why is Joe so worried about keeping his status as a biological male secret? Is Sugar such a sexual racist that she doesn't like the idea of a woman with a dick? 
I, for one, am willing to show my solidarity. <laughs> if the only way to prove how committed I am to the cause is to get mercilessly rogered by a he-she with a thick one, then I'll do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I believe in progress. <laughs> All right? <laughs> At least we are given some documentary proof of the lengths the patriarchy will go to secure some puss for the evening. Joe commits a spectacular piece of gaslighting by pretending to be Josephine and Junior, two separate characters in order to worm his way into Sugar's panties. As one uh, of his made-up personas, Junior, he pretends to have erectile dysfunction, or perhaps he's pretending to be asexual, which would make sense as it would be another community that he's gleefully fucking over. Anyway, his Tower of Lies uh, serves to trick Sugar into sucking and fucking him, okay? Mission accomplished, you creep. <laughs> All right. On the media shit list, you go. The final scene might be a legendary and charming, it might be legendary and charming to some, but I was unmoved by the ultimate message of this disgusting film. We witnessed Daphne, a beautiful trans woman, rip off her wig, which I took as a celebration of the detransitioning movement. Uh, no one should have to be, no one should have to be who they really are. To live and love. They should be able to pretend to be something else. Because what matters in life isn't actions or character. It's a shaft and two balls. That's what matters. Okay. We've come um, to the end of the road with this one. <laughs> one of the more tasteless and dangerous gags in the film is the sexual assaults committed by Beanstalk. Uh, when Daphne gets on the train, he smacks her behind Osgood in the elevator. He pinches her and God knows what else. Uh, and finally, uh, Jerry, as Daphne at the beach with Sugar, he perform performs the same assaults under the water, much in the way Harvey Weinstein did his dirty business in the shadows. Uh, Jerry uh, and these men uh, uh, do theirs. Um, so that is what I got. <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> do you have more? No. It, it is plenty. It is plenty. But I, one, one thing I'll say, uh, I, I think this... This whole film really is a cis white male's fantasy of what happens in female-only spaces. You know, mm -hmm. this this fantasy of you know being able to uh, you know listen in and see things that you're not allowed to see Buns. in those those women's Oops. spaces. Yeah, mm, pretty much. Mm, 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 <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, I this is enough to make you want to go trans. I say. Because sort of <laughs> when you see this sort of stuff, you go, "This is where I, this is where I want to be. This is where I love to be." Um, I was thinking about doing this pod, this podcast episode in a wig. I thought that'd be fun. <laughs> well, you should well, have. You could have. <laughs> I wouldn't question it. I'd just, be, I'd just accept it. Uh, so you know what? What's the what's the rating? What do we reckon? It, it's strange because it gets such a good rap still after mm. you know, all that's happened in the, yeah. you know, in the in the 2020s. You know, I, I look. I, I feel I'm very confused. Um, I watched the movie. I think I think it's 100 percent toxic. But then again, I honestly think that um, that if you, the Guardian and that, I think they'd be they wouldn't say that. Say that they they'd find a way. Mm. I don't know what it is. Whether they love Marilyn, they look like what Marilyn represents, or you know, they just maybe they maybe they. Deep down, they just laugh and think it's funny like a normal person. And to defend that, they have to do some mental gymnastics where they go, mm -hmm. it's not offensive. Because if you buy into pretty much any of the radical ideologies that have come out of academia since, you know, the 60s, you can't be on board with this movie. Mm. You just can't. You can't be. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not, you're not allowed to be. 
Like if you're, if you're, if you're, whatever it is, if it's hardcore feminism or whatever, like, like and yeah, I'm, I'm saying, like, pick what you like. Like it's all good. You just can't. So I wonder if Marilyn wasn't in it, if it still would be. Yeah, good question. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think she's she's she can't be criticised. She's been she's, she's untouchable. Yeah, she is mm. absolutely untouchable. So, uh, and it's only getting you know more and more um, out of control. You know. Mm. So anyway, I, I don't know. It's, it's up to whatever whatever you guys think. I, 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 I reckon it's ten. You reckon it's ten? Mm. AJ, AJ, do you think it's ten, or do you reckon you know? I don't, you know? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't have to it's, be. You it's crazy. It's, like, like well, I mean, you could. I reckon. It's ten to me, but then again, you could show it anywhere. I reckon. Mm. I reckon you could show it anywhere. Yep. So maybe it can't be ten then. No. If you, I, if you I, show it everywhere, it can't be ten. Yeah. I think you so. could show it anywhere. So I, I feel like. Uh, I think you could have posters up, and people wouldn't yell at you. Well, I I brought up Woody <laughs> Allen the other day. Um, at, at some of my wife's friends came over, and I thought it was appropriate to bring up Woody Allen out of nowhere, and um. Yeah, I I pretty much ruined the party, and uh... <laughs> I like, but that this isn't even the first time, so I like that no. you tried again. Yeah, no, I just was keep like, trying, keep trying. Yeah, I just said, you know, I don't care anymore. I said, me is crazy. Um, Renfro is a liar. Um, that, that his daughter, she's groomed. She was groomed by me and her lawyers. Um, so yeah, I just went it went hard, and it didn't pan out. And um, I feel like I could have talked about this movie, and it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that next time. All right. Okay. Well, it's it's high, but it's not 10. No. Five. Yeah. Yeah. I'd want to be me too. Anyway, just quickly, I can't mark around here. This is the boobometer. Uh, we've got the cleavage of Sugar when she's getting changed. Very disappointing that a full view is withheld, obviously, AJ, but um, <laughs> this was 1959, so it is in keeping with the times. I did have to do some detective work. An image search of uh, Marilyn's Playboy shoot yielded very pleasing results. Uh, and with uh, this research, I was able to construct in the mind's eye an image of Sugar's bosom in full, uh, full, natural, not too big, outstanding, uh, full slide whistle. Bit Thank saggy? Um, just natural is the most important natural, thing. Natural, okay. And yeah, 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 no, she's, it's, yeah. Imperfect is, is, is good. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> train delay. Yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. Very good. Very good. Oh, you you forgot to mention that they're pregnant titties too. Well, didn't want to bring it down. <laughs> but they are technically that's true. Well, you you'll love how Ebert begins his review of this by commenting on Marilyn Monroe. He says, uh, what a work of art and nature is Marilyn Monroe. She hasn't aged into an icon, some citizen of the past, but still seems to be inventing herself as we watch her. She has the gift of appearing to hit on her lines of dialogue by happy inspiration. Poured into a dress that offers her breasts like jolly treats for needy boys, she seems totally (laughs) oblivious to sex while at the same time melting men into hapless desire. Jesus. Oh, wow. Wilder's 1959 comedy is one of the enduring treasures of the movies, a film of inspiration and meticulous craft, a movie that's about nothing but sex and yet pretends it's about crime and greed. It is uh, 
underwired with wildest cheerful cynicism so that no time is lost to soppiness and everyone behaves according to basic Darwinian drives. When sincere emotion strikes these characters, it blindsides them. Curtis thinks he wants only sex. Munro thinks she wants only money. And they are astonished as, uh, and delighted to find they want only each other. Mm-hmm. I won't read the rest of it. It's very long, but he loves it. Okay. Now, uh, on to a one-star review from IMDb, one of the only <laughs> one-star reviews I could find. It was from John. He said because there weren't many boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's enough. titled Drag Queen Garbage. Milton Burl dressed up as a woman on the television of the early days. It was not funny, and when transferred to the big screen, as in Some Like It Hot, it still isn't. Instead of Uncle Milty, we are treated to Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon in drag, hiding from mobsters involved in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. They play musicians on tour with Marilyn Monroe, and oh, it's so damn hilarious to watch the pair try to hide the fact that they are red-blooded American males who would love to jump the blonde bombshell's bones. Monroe looks good, uh, but both her singing and acting are quite ordinary. I've never been mesmerized by the whole Norma Jean cult, which has always escaped me. Curtis and Lemon try too hard and might as well be drag queens in a John Waters film. I love to laugh and never did, sitting through this bad comedy. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Total true opinion, though. Very good. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, uh, I think that's uh, that's that's all we got. Um, good show. Uh, coming up uh, next week, continue on Billy Wilder. We've got Irma LaDuce. Uh, I, I'm not going to tell you anything. Just just watch it. Oh. Okay. More Jack Lemmon for you. So there nice. you go. Oh. And so we said what we said. Oh. <laughs> I think the run's over. <laughs> yes. They're coming for us. Yeah. We might get some more listeners in the next few weeks as well. So, Ooh, welcome to the shoe. <laughs> uh, well, right. until next time, don't forget, Side Boob Cinema will we'll save, save cinema. The only way to prove how committed I am to the cause is to get mercilessly rogered by a he-she with a thick one, then I'll do it. <laughs> Jesus I believe in progress. <laughs> All right? He likes them big and sassy. <laughs>